Good morning. It is not often that any of us meet people who have received the baptism of John the Baptist, as far as I know anyway. But I wonder how many of us have met, or even perhaps have known for a long time, people who are in the same fix as the 12 men from Ephesus in our reading today from Acts 19. What can we say to them? The Ephesus 12 said to Paul that they had received the baptism of John the Baptist. Now all four Gospels mention John the Baptist, which shows that they all thought him important, and they tell how he preached that the Messiah was about to come at last, and that people had better get ready by mending their ways first. Some more details of his teaching are found in Luke chapter 3. For example, in Luke chapter 3 verse 14, John the Baptist told the soldiers in his gathering, Don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. Not extorting and not accusing falsely would indeed be a change of behaviour towards living in a more godly way. A change that they could resolve to make and endeavour to keep. Becoming content is an inner attitude which might be harder to manufacture. But they wanted to do this, and by seeking baptism from John, they publicly stated their rejection of their past behaviour and also their decision and firm resolve to try to live a new life. In a present-day Christian baptism service, the candidate will say, as their formal response to questions in a ceremony, I repent of my sins, and... I renounce evil. Those who went to be baptised by John the Baptist would recognise this straight away because that is the same decision that John the Baptist required of them all those years ago. And of course this is the first step in the journey of Christian faith. Although the whole world is a mess, a necessary step for each and every person is to recognise that they themselves are at fault have offended the living God whose world it is, and have added to the mess. Therefore they must resolve to live differently from now on. But that is only the first step. It's just been New Year, and many people will have made all sorts of resolutions. Gyms and fitness clubs usually have their best crop of new members in January. Perhaps not so much this year, of course. And usually, by March, many of the new members have stopped going. Just as with many other New Year's resolutions, they lacked something to carry it through. Getting fit is good, but the duvet is warm. And as for resolving to get along better with X this year, what muscle do, do I pull to do that? But the teaching of John the Baptist went further than regretting the past and resolving to do better. Summarising John's message in today's reading, Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. In other words, put your life in order and keep an eye open for Jesus. But why? All four Gospels also record what John the Baptist said about the coming Jesus, so that must be important too. 
In our Gospel reading today, it says, And this was John's message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptise you with water, but he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. I wonder what the listening crowds thought that meant. The word baptise does not seem to occur in the Old Testament, so they may have been puzzled. But surely they would at least have gathered that it meant something better than the baptism of John the Baptist, and they presumably expected it to be something good. Now, John the Baptist was famous in his time. Crowds had flocked to him from all over the region, and when he criticised kings, they were afraid of him. So it is no surprise that some of his disciples were to be found further afield in Ephesus, even though that is about a thousand miles away from the Jordan by road. However, the Ephesus 12 told Paul that they had not heard there is a Holy Spirit, which is strange in view of John's teaching that I just mentioned. Perhaps they had not been paying attention, or had forgotten that bit afterwards. Or perhaps they thought that baptising with the Holy Spirit was just a way of speaking rather than a reality. Anyway, it seems they realised that John's baptism was neither sufficient nor final because they now readily agreed to a new baptism in the name of Jesus. As part of their Christian baptism, Paul laid hands on them and, we would assume, prayed for them. And then two new things happened. They spoke in tongues and they prophesied. By speaking in tongues, the New Testament means either saying things in a language that the speaker cannot speak, but which is in fact the language of another country. See, for example, Acts chapter 2, verse 4 to 11. Alternatively, someone speaks in another language that no one present knows, so nobody understands it. Sometimes another person is given the meaning, but otherwise it is only for the purposes of prayer. See, for example, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 10, or chapter 14, verse 14. By prophesying, the New Testament understands saying something that speaks God's mind by showing, for example, godly insight into some matter. See, for example, Acts 11, verse 28. Well, no such thing had happened when they had been baptised in water by John the Baptist. This incident underlines that John's baptism was only part of preparing the way for Jesus to come, but is forever superseded now that the Church is making disciples for Jesus and baptising them in his name. But does this event at Ephesus mean that a person baptised might speak in tongues and prophesy? Yes, this is many people's experience, even today, whether on the day of their baptism or at other times. Does it mean that every person baptised will speak in tongues and prophesy? Absolutely not. Acts 19 verse 6 says only that these particular people did this as they received the Holy Spirit, and by implication that it was not a surprise to Paul or considered in any way out of order. 
After all, nothing bad comes from Jesus. Unlike baptism in water, baptism in the Holy Spirit is not a once-in-a-lifetime ceremony. Apart from mentioning the teaching of John the Baptist about what Jesus would soon be doing, the expression is hardly ever used in the New Testament. Instead, it mentions various outcomes of it having happened. Baptism in water is mentioned many times and makes someone publicly wet for an hour. But baptism in the Holy Spirit happens in the innermost core of a person and changes their life forever. Speaking in tongues and prophecy are only two of the many ways that the Holy Spirit may be evident in people's lives. He deals with each person in a personal way. For example, he gives renewed confidence in living the life of faith. He gives joy even in bad times. He gives us help to deal with things that arise in our daily discipleship. He equips us for our assigned role in church life. He equips us for our role in family life. He changes our lives by growing good characteristics called fruits of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. He gives us freedom and confidence in prayer and worship. He gives us love for those we did not and could not love before. In these and many other ways, he begins and continues to transform us into the likeness of Christ. In short, with the Holy Spirit, our discipleship moves forward. Without him, our discipleship is little more than well-chosen but doomed New Year's resolutions. With him, we begin a life uh, anew and live it to the full. Without him, it is still the same old life. Well, surely there are no people today like the Ephesus 12. But if you do meet any, tell them about the 12 men at Ephesus. Tell them that it is good that they have seen the need to repent and to renounce evil and to seek to live a better and godly way. Also tell them to keep a lookout for Jesus and that when they meet him, he can baptise them with the Holy Spirit and that then their lives will take a whole new wonderful course of serving God in cooperation with him. And don't forget to tell them of your own experience of the Holy Spirit working in your own life.